0: All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast MBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John in the regular episode will be back next Tuesday. I hope you guys have gotten adjusted to the new podcast release schedule uh, we've been recording them. We kind of have to record them on Monday afternoons and then release them on Tuesday morning. I know it's no longer the the end-of-the-week treat. Hopefully now you just get it on Tuesday. It can carry you through uh, the work week if you happen to you know, work a regular 9-to-5 Monday to Friday. All right, we are a few weeks into the NBA season. So we're starting to get a handle on things a little bit although there are some teams that are winning that I still don't think are that good the Grizzlies, my Grizzlies have had a really good start but now have predictably stumbled Uh, the lack of having Jermichael Green really starting to rear its head, not having backups behind Conley when Conley misses a game that makes it tough but we'll get into that a little bit with my guest today who is a guy I've been wanting to have on for a little bit but uh He had something he had to do first, but we'll get into that in the episode. If you want more Fast Break Breakfast, you can actually get that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. There I post weekly power rankings. We have some bonus audio coming up for the $5 and up crowd. If you're part of the Slack chat, which is I think one of our most popular options, which is $3 a month, we talk about stuff around the clock. That really never turns off. So if you want more basketball talk from Chuck, John, and myself, and if you want to meet with other Fast Break Breakfast listeners and make some online buddies that way, the Slack chat is a great way to go. We're having a ton of fun in our fantasy basketball leagues over at Fantrax.com. Once again, the iShop Negative Fantasy League for Pride and Glory is the best thing ever. On Wednesday night, TJ Warren gave his owner negative 68 points which is really really bad we're trying to get positive points TJ Warren making 16 of 22 shots for 40 points a brutal night for that team in the iShop fantasy so if you want to get involved with that get involved with Pickles Pick'em Challenge which is just reset in November so if you can beat John Chuck or me in the Pick'em you will win a prize pack spoiler no one has ever done it which is kind of weird because we're not that good at picking games. But if you think you are good at uh, picking NBA games against the spread, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is a co-host of the B-Ball Breakdown podcast. He's part of the Bod Pod podcast crew and the host of on the nba with dave Defour that's right mr dave Defour or is it coach defore dave how are you doing
1: I, i'm doing well i mean it's just it's it's just dave right just dave. um okay. i am a coach yes but uh it's just dave
0: i can call you mr coach dave which is what i called my econ- uh economics teacher in high school who was also the uh basketball coach mr coach waller shout out
1: god yeah, you know, I let my kids, they, they mostly call me coach, but, you know, uh, we, we talk a lot and I don't want them calling me coach like, uh, you know, in May when I, when I, I pop into the school to say hi. So they just call me Dave.
0: Awesome. Well, well, this is exciting to have you on, Dave. We have a kind of a long history. I know we've been through it a few times. I don't think my listeners know the history, the history being. Uh, Dave has his own podcast. He asked me to be on his podcast maybe a year and a half ago. And to that invitation, I said, yes. And it never happened. And then we like got to know each other better. Like we, we, we finally met in person in Vegas this summer. And you were like, yeah, man, I got like, I want to be on your podcast. And I was like, I want you to be on my podcast, but this is like a power play. This is some kind of stupid art of negotiation power play like, I have to be on your show. You have to fulfill that invitation before I can have you on my show. Otherwise, that makes me like the, the I don't know, the little man, the bad man.
1: I, I don't, I feel like uh, Donald Trump w- would not have approved of that deal.
0: Right. Well, he's technically not actually a good negotiator, but an actually good no, negotiator. No, he's, he's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone reading The yeah. Art of War would have been like, yes, I've invited you. Now I want to be on your show. It's like when you go and buy a car and they're supposed to leave you sitting alone in a room. Like That's like one of the salespeople's things. So like when they're like, oh, let me go check on this. And if you're sitting there, if you happen to be by yourself, uh, you're supposed to get up and walk around and leave the room. Make them come find you again.
1: Yeah, that's what, you know what? That's funny. I didn't even realize that was a thing, but that's what I do. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. No, it's a thing. So anyway, uh, recently, very recently, Dave finally had me on his show. So we fulfilled that end of the arrangement, and I, I'm happy. I'm like, this is great. Now, That's now right. we're back on the even terms, and you can come we on are. my show because I want you. I wanted you to be on my show, but I felt <laughs> like we had this hurdle that we I, I couldn't get over. Like I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna bend there. But now you're here, happy to have you.
1: Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So um before we get to your breakfast.
0: Lex, let's okay. go and get your breakfast. Tell me, tell me your breakfast, Dave, as is our so, tradition.
1: Now, you know, I normally do not eat breakfast. I normally am, am a, a fast guy. I do intermittent fasting. So I normally don't eat until like after I work out, which is at noon. So that's that's the usual. And I even told you when you said, hey, uh, we're gonna talk about your breakfast. I was like, oh, it's gonna be boring. But today Cause I've got this new puppy that gets me up at 5:30 in the morning. I'm having a uh, a four espresso shot latte, sugar free. Oh wow. Um. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. I gotta I gotta get my my butt in gear.
0: So you so you don't eat and then you go work out and then you eat after. Yeah. How do you not pass out? Cause I cannot do that. I like I literally will will vomit and pass out if I don't eat before I work yeah. out.
1: Yeah, so I don't eat a lot of sugar or carbs, so Mm -hmm. I don't get uh, I don't get spikes in my insulin level. This is going like probably way too nerdy, but I eat a high fat diet, yeah, um, with moderate amounts of protein and super low carbohydrates. So I don't get these insulin and energy spikes. So I can, you know, I go like twelve to sixteen hours at a time without eating.
0: That's uh, that's incredible. As my listeners know, I eat tons of candy but even but even before i uh, ate tons of candy in my life i have extreme like blood sugar spikes blood pressure spikes uh i can't remember uh vasovagal reaction i believe is the oh, term Yeah, vasovagal That's some of that reaction. uh
1: i've well, passed out a few should, times in my life it's pretty oh, good man. you should uh you should consider a high fat low carb diet i think it it could could actually benefit you not to not to do some diagnosis here on the, uh, on the podcast, but, uh, no, that's fine. I mean, if you can help, stuff, if you man. can help me,
0: that's good. As long yeah. as, as long as you're not selling me a pyramid scheme to buy into your high fat, uh, low protein <laughs> diet, uh, I, was, I, I might be interested.
1: I was reading this morning about the Tom Brady supplement stuff that he's selling, the snake oil. Oh yeah. Oh, Have yeah. you read about that? Oh my uh, God.
0: I saw the article, which when any article is written, no, I did not read it, but I saw the headline.
1: All right, that, That's so, my answer to, yeah. Well, Monty Jones did a really good takedown of this stuff yesterday. I highly recommend uh watching the the YouTube clip or whatever um, but yeah um i, I yeah I, I think I can help you out but we'll talk about that after the podcast that's fine
0: well actually so yeah. before before we dive into some early season basketball uh, analysis and talk. Tell me more about yourself, because, again, I, I've known of you on the Internet uh, for you know, a year or so. Um, how did you get involved with B-Ball Breakdown? How did you become like like an NBA, whatever you call
1: yourself, an analyst or writer? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I started coaching basketball, um, uh, like, accidentally. You know, I was like 30. My, my wife is active duty Air Force, and we were living in South Korea. And I was just in the gym working myself out on the basketball court. And, uh, you know, uh, this, this guy asked me if I would train his kid. The next thing you knew, I was training a few kids. And then uh, the school that I worked at, I was a substitute teacher, but I was like a permanent, permanent sub. Uh, they needed a girls JV volleyball coach. And so I was like, okay, sure, why not? And, uh, yeah, I did really well. And uh, I enjoyed it. And so then they had a wrestling coach position open, not basketball, which was unfortunate that it wasn't basketball. But uh, I coached the wrestling team and I I enjoyed it. And so I was like, okay, I really like this coaching thing. I I need to need to look into this. And then we moved to Germany. And, you know, there's a lot of basketball in Europe and kind of got into a similar situation. I was working out uh, a pro German player. And uh, was talking to the club and arranged a deal where I could coach a team that I was completely unqualified to coach. I just kind of put my foot in the door and uh, wouldn't take no for an answer. So I coached that team for a while and we won a championship and earned a couple of promotions. And yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm, I might be good at this coaching thing. And then I moved back to the States and I just thought it was going to be like every door to every NBA team was just going to be wide open. <laughs> And I got here and it was like, no. And then I was like, OK, well, maybe I'll just coach at a high level high school when I when I get back and, you know, it'll be fine. Uh, no, because it's politics. It's who, you know, and it's all this stuff. And so um, I, I took over a really small school and we're not very good, but I love the kids. The kids are great. They're super smart and, and enjoyable. They're good people, um, even if they're not great basketball players. Um, but. From that, it made me realize that uh, coaching is nearly impossible to get into if you don't follow the right steps, which are you're related to someone, um, your dad's a coach, well, <laughs> yeah. I guess, which is related to someone. You're a former player, uh, prefer like if you want to coach an NBA, former NBA player, uh, college basketball, D1 player, um, or you were a team manager and then became a grad assistant and you worked your way up that way, like through college or whatever. Well, I didn't do any of that and I wasn't going to do any of that. I mean, I, <laughs> I would gladly let Greg Popovich adopt me, but I don't think he's interested in adult adoption. So, um, not unless you can uh, do a Euro step and hit a three. I actually can do both of those. I'm, I'm a really, <laughs> I got like 35 foot range. Um, I, the Steph Curry shot was the Dave shot before Steph Curry. <laughs> um, so, uh, Anyway, so I was looking for ways that I could use my basketball knowledge and, you know, and possibly meet some people. And so I did the sports business classroom, which is uh, I don't know if you know about this, but it's a program that uh, with the NBA and, and the summer league, they put on um, a few people involved are like Nate Duncan, Eric Pincus, Larry Kuhn. Uh, this past year, David Aldridge, Ben Alomar. And so there's all these different tracks. There's uh, scouting analytics. There's a salary cap, all this stuff. And so I did that as a way to network and meet people. And then when I was there, people were like, wow, um, you know, you should write and you should definitely have a podcast. But definitely have a podcast, but you should also think about writing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was like everyone has a podcast, so what the hell? It can't be that hard. So I started a podcast. And what it is, is just a way for me to kind of – be able to use this useless basketball knowledge in a way that isn't necessarily coaching. You know, I'm diversifying my portfolio, so to speak. And, uh, I think it, it's gone pretty well.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, and, and you are enjoy- an enjoyable follow. I will say, so if anyone is looking to help, uh, if wants to network with Dave, uh, make sure yeah. you check, check him out on Twitter. What's your
1: handle? It's uh Dave Dufour NBA.
0: There you go. So, yeah, check him out. Check out the podcast. All right, so looking at this season of basketball, so bringing it into yes. what we've seen, from your perspective, there's a few things, early season returns, that I'm kind of interested in or have big questions about that I can't personally, on my own, get to the bottom of. So I, I want some help. Uh, n- number one on that list is, what's going on with Nerlens Noel? I think when I was on your show and we previewed the Southwest Division you guys are talking about Nerolin's Noel. I was like, or the Mavs could bury him out of spite. Yep. Uh, yeah. So is that what's happening or something else happening? What's going on with Nerolin's?
1: Well, anytime you can have a guy who's clearly a starter level player who is uh, has a plus 10 uh, net rating and your team has a negative 10 plus rating uh, or, uh, you know, net rating anytime you can bring that guy off the bench and really only play him like 18 or 19 minutes a game. I mean, you have to, right. Right. <laughs> it, it feels like, I don't know if it's spite, but there's, it, there's partially part of this, I think is a, is that there's a secret tank, right? Uh-huh. I think okay. that they want to be bad. You know, they understand that in the West, especially it, it, there's no benefit to being the eight seed. Um, so there's that, but, but also they're trying to, kill his value, at least it feels like it, so that they can re-sign him for much less than he wants. Um, if this $17 million deal offer was actually on the table, uh, his agent is the biggest moron on the planet, or his former agent, I should say, because he fired him.
0: Wasn't w- w- Weren't there reports that his agent was telling him, like, please sign this, please sign this, this is a great deal? <laughs> no, I heard that he
1: turned it down because his agent okay. thought he could get a max deal.
0: See, I thought, I, I don't know, it's just uh, whatever, the rumor mill my understanding of the rumor was that his agent said, please sign this. And Nerland said, no, I need a max. You are fired. So e- either way, it looks unfortunate that uh, he passed that up.
1: It's, I, it's just, uh, you never turn down that kind of money, right? Like, especially with his history of injury and, you know, I, I mean, he hasn't really been in the best situation. I just think uh 17 million a year for, for four years, like, Man, that's good money. Just take it <laughs> and think? deal. And yeah, and deal with it later. Like you're you're missing out on twelve million dollars, but you're getting seventeen million. Yeah. I think that that's that's lost in a lot of this is when people think, well, I'm getting I'm I'm getting twelve million dollars over four years, less than I should. Yeah, but you're getting seventeen million a year when you probably should be getting about twelve total. He's also losing thirteen this year.
0: Alone, yep. you know, it's exactly. taking the $4 million or whatever it is qualifying offer. Qualifying where it's up. like that
1: money you will never make up.
0: Like there's no, no, there's no chance. Narland's Noel gets paid
1: enough to make up for the lost $13 million th- this season. Yeah, because he's not getting a max this summer. No one's going to have the space and no one who's going to sign a, a center to a max deal. You get Dwayne Dedman at the minimum. You know, you can get Willie Reed at the minimum. Why would you sign Nerlens to a max? It just doesn't make any sense.
0: Do you think there's any upside to him this season? Is he finally going to maybe work his way out of the doghouse? Is it going to take some uh, knock on wood, please don't happen, catastrophic Dirk injury, you know, to, to get him in the lineup? Is there is there any? Light at the end of the tunnel for Nerland. I don't know what he would have to do. I mean, have you looked at his per 36 numbers? Lord, no, Dave, I'm a comedy podcast.
1: (laughs) I'm (laughs) kidding. Well, all right. So he's averaging 13 points and 11 and a half rebounds almost at, um, and shooting almost 60% with eight and 84% from the free throw line. This is per 36, right? I mean, the percentages are the percentages, but still like those are really good numbers for a center. Not to mention the rim protection. I mean, it's a block and a half, but like his rim protection is goes beyond just the rim. He also is averaging a steal and a half a game. Uh, he could actually average two blocks and two steals a game, but he's like a rhythm defensive player as well. Um, I, I just don't know what else he can do to get out of the doghouse. It's not like he's there because he's not a good player. I, it's just it's really weird. Um, you know, they had a game that they blew, and Dwight Powell was in. At, at center down the stretch instead of Nerlens Noel, and and in that game in like 19 minutes, I think Nerlens had just gone off. Like he he really just had an amazing game. I, let me pull up his game log because it was it was striking. Like it it stood out big time that he wasn't in the game, and it was just it was really really weird. I didn't understand it.
0: I, I will say the eye test to combat some of that of those stats, it does look like he's coasting out mm-hmm. there like maybe he's not fully engaged so i don't know i don't know if it's uh whatever chicken or the egg is he not engaged cuz he's not getting time is he not getting time cuz he's not engaged but he he does look like maybe he's not moving at full speed despite the fact he's he's accruing a- okay numbers in his time out there
1: yeah but maybe he just doesn't have to that's true right like we 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 all give lebron credit for being able to go 30 and 12 and 8 while coasting well, maybe maybe Nerlens deserves a little bit of credit for being able to do the same thing. Oh, I mean, not quite the same thing, right. but you know maybe, what I
0: mean. Maybe he's Eric Dickerson out there. It just looks like he's jogging, but he's that's actually, right.
1: Uh, that's right. He's I mean, actually he's obviously he's a freak athlete, and he vertically spaces the floor. He can hit free throws. He actually can hit that like elbow jumper. He just doesn't get a lot of them. Um, it, it's it's a weird situation. And like, let's put it this way, man. If you're starting Dirk at center, and your your argument for starting Dirk is well, he needs to start because he can stay loose after after pregame warm ups instead of sitting on the bench like come on, that's just not a good reason to start a guy. I mean, I love Dirk, don't get me wrong, but dirk is not not even i don't know man is is he a rotation player at this point He's like an eighth or ninth guy
0: yeah he's, uh, he's on any other team yeah. I guess. He's not looking awesome out there. Well, let's no. let's move to uh, some t- overall team play from the early year. Who do you think right now is the worst team that has a winning record? And I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate. I'll nominate a few options for you. Okay. The Magic, the Pacers, the Pistons, the Hornets, and I might throw in the Grizzlies. Hmm. Uh,
1: in that group, it's the Pacers. Yeah, you're not, I think you're, that, you're not buying in. Well, it's not that I'm not buying in because I think that they could they could possibly sustain this. I mean, it is super early, but I think as far as just when you look at the talent that they have, it seems like they're definitely playing above their head.
0: Uh, Darren Collison is playing out of his mind. Yeah. Among it's, other people. Who would you t- who would you take right now? Uh, Darren Collison. And we can even throw out salaries. Don't even think about the salaries, Dave. Right. Uh, Darren Collison or George Hill. Who looks it's, better?
1: If I had a game today, I'm taking Darren Collison. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's insane, man. I you know, I, I've been a big George Hill fan for a long time. Uh, and I, I'm I don't know. People are always bringing up George Hill like he's not a good player. And he's been a really great player. I'm wondering if the injuries have finally caught up. I mean, that toe injury he had last year looks to have wrecked his conditioning. And I'm not so sure if he's if it's not still bothering him. He, look, he doesn't look good right now at all. Um, meanwhile, Darren Collison looks amazing and they're, they're playing him out there with two small guards. Uh, sometimes it's him and, and Oladipo, um, man, he's just been, he's been electric. It's, it's fantastic. And he's part of the reason why they're five and three. I mean, he's a big part of the reason. How uh, do you, how do you think it's Nate, crazy.
0: Nate McMillan was convinced to play fast? It normally seems I, like fast play was always over Nate McMillan's dead body.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, I said this when Larry Bird made him the coach and he said, yeah, we really want to speed up. And I was just like, well, Nate McMillan always coached one of the bottom five pace teams when he was a coach. Like he, just, That's just not how he coaches. And what we saw the last, you know, the last couple years with him, it was super slow. I don't know what happened. I mean, Frank Vogel in Orlando is similar, right? Like, I, I, I just always thought he would use the pieces that he has wrong. And now both of these guys seem to have kind of figured it out overnight. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe they just needed Larry Bird to not not be the GM yeah. of an NBA team. And then they're like, well, now finally we can show what we can do. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird.
0: Also, the guys on that team who seem to be playing above their head uh, is Domas Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. How much yeah. of their – I mean, obviously they're not going to keep shooting the percentages they're shooting –
1: how much of those two what you've seen so far do you think is is sustainable? So Sabonis, so he looks more comfortable. And he's when he's playing the five offensively, I think he could he can kind of keep this production up. Um I mean he's he's shooting uh 63% from two. It, you know, he still can't go to his right at all, but uh he's a good enough shooter and and good enough at getting to get into his spots and quick enough when he's playing the five that I think that that he's okay. Um Oladipo looks like what we expected him to look like last year. Uh, he's not going to shoot fifty percent from three for the season, but I think forty is is definitely within range. I mean, he shot thirty six percent last year. He's gotten better every single year of, uh, of his career, and now he's had the ball in his hands more. and I, I think Oladipo is a rhythm type of player. I think he needs to have the ball in his hands, running pick and rolls, things like that, to uh, to be at his peak effectiveness. So, I, I think that it's somewhat sustainable. I would expect him to be somewhere around 19, 20 points a game. Uh, his usage so far has been, uh, where is he at? 30%. And on this team, that's probably where he's going to be. You know, he's going to be the lead dog of this team as far as the score goes. It's going to be him and Miles Turner, hopefully, when Miles comes back, running a lot of pick and roll. And then I, I would expect to see Sabonis kind of getting those back up five minutes.
0: In the race for the Eastern Conference playoffs, I know we're uh, just turned the calendar calendar to November, but you have the Pacers right now over five hundred. The Magic look like a surprise. The Pistons are playing well. Um, Do we think that those teams are going to be better in the long run than like the Miami Heat or the Philadelphia 76ers? Like Sixers have looked awesome a few nights when Simmons and Bede are in Uh, in in that mishmash or melange of teams. Which ones uh, do you think are are probably going to end up in the
1: playoffs? Um, You know, I think Orlando could definitely make the playoffs. I think the Pistons probably will. Um, okay. their their issue last year. I mean, they won 37 games last year despite all of the injury, you know, issues and and other things they had going on. They got better this offseason. Avery Bradley was such an upgrade over KCP. Reggie Jackson looks healthy and confident. They're using Drummond in a way that I actually thought he could have been used. You know, the last couple of years, they're of getting him out at the elbow. Uh, he's able to roll off dribble handoffs and stuff like that. Um, and on defense, they're using Drummond more effectively because he's actually pretty quick, and so he's actually been able to jump out and get a lot of steals because they have him coming high on pick and rolls instead of just dropping back. Uh, uh, Stan Van Gundy's finally figured out that Drummond is not Dwight Howard. You don't have to use him exactly the same way. Uh, So I think the Pistons will most almost, – I'm like 75% they make the playoffs. The Magic, on the other hand – I'm gonna need a few more games. Um, I think that it's sustainable. It seems like it's a lot of young guys who are sort of coming into their peak, sort of figuring things out. Aaron Gordon's jump shot looks so much better, and they're they're playing this high leverage, fast paced style. So they're really they're they're able to capitalize on their speed and and athleticism, and then they've got their two best three point shooters, uh, Mo Buckets and uh, Vucevic as like the trail guy coming up shooting threes. And so you you pressure the defense, you have them retreating to the basket, and you're able to kick out for open threes. So w- the way they're playing is, is good offense. I don't expect them to shoot 44% from three, and I don't think they're going to be like a 50-win team, but I think they could sneak into the playoffs at like the eighth seed. But when you're going down the list, I mean, that would mean the 76ers – or the heat probably wouldn't make the playoffs. One of those two teams. Yeah.
0: I'm looking at this. uh, We're assuming Boston, Cleveland, Toronto, Washington, Milwaukee, definitely in. So then that would mean probably three spots for five teams, Detroit, Miami, Philadelphia, Orlando, and Indiana.
1: Right. And out of those two, I mean, I think Detroit and and then it's either Orlando or Philly. I'm not sold on the heat. Um, you know, they're I think that what they did at the end of last season was amazing. And they've brought a little bit of that so far this season, but I'm not completely sold on them.
0: Yeah, and I think they've played what they played six of seven at home. Yeah. And, and they're still they're still they're still dropping some. Uh tell me a little bit more about the Sixers. So I've only seen two of their games so far, and I went back and watched them. Like I keep missing them in, in real time. It seems like right now Ben Simmons. You know, head and shoulders above everyone else in the rookie class. He, I mean, going to be an all star probably, assuming yep. assuming health holds. Uh, and Joel Embiid finally played thirty minutes for the first time in his career on Wednesday night. So, so far, so good for the process. What are you seeing from this team, and and, and how good are they?
1: Um. Okay. So good is a relative term, right? Certainly. Um. Yeah. They are especially for a team this young. Good, right? They're not great, and then when you look at them overall, they're slightly above average, and it, and that's based on athleticism, right? So from a skill standpoint, they're probably middle of the pack in the in the league, and, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, middle of the pack gets you in the playoffs. Um, a friend of mine, Duncan Smith, I don't know if you know Duncan. Uh, he yeah. he uh, tweeted this stat out last night. Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid share the floor, the Sixers are plus two point six. But when they're both off the court, they're minus twenty nine point eight. Mm-hmm. And that tells you what you need to know. I mean, this this team is going to live and die by Simmons and Embiid. And while Simmons has been amazing, I mean, almost averaging a triple double, he's he's really been incredible Uh this team is going to succeed based on Joel Embiid and his health. If Joel Embiid's on the court, they've got a shot to win every night. If he's not, it's going to be rough.
0: Have their expectations changed at all from what their preseason uh, expectations were, which was, you know, maybe be 500 and just keep our, our two young studs uh, healthy.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I would hope not. I would hope that they're thinking long term. And and when you watch how they're how they play, I think that they are having a long term approach to this. I mean, Ben Simmons has got the ball in his hands a lot, and so what you're doing is now he's performing really well, but you're also allowing him to make mistakes. So they're not they're not pulling him for you know or putting the ball in Jared Bayless's hands when Simmons makes a mistake. So they're, they're not scared of the turnovers. They're not scared of, Oh, wow, he's pushing the pace too much or, or things like that. So that's nice to see. And it means that I I think that they've committed to Simmons as their, you know, quote unquote point guard, uh, of the future. And they, they are fine with the process over the results. I think that, you know, being four and four is a plus for them. And they, and they're definitely trying to win games as far as, you know, actively trying to win games at the end of games and things like that. There's no tanking going on, but with that being said, I think that if they miss the playoffs, it's not the end of the world for them. I, I think that, like you said, continued development. If they go 500, it's, it's a, it's a, to me, that's a, a very successful season for them. But even if they win 38 games, they still had a good year.
0: As long as they don't ruin Markel Fultz's shoulder. They had a, you know,
1: a good year. I was just looking at a picture of him uh, uh, from the game the other night, in a suit, with his. Uh, I guess someone had hit a three, and he had his arms above his head <laughs> in celebration. And I'm just thinking to myself, "But wait, I thought he couldn't lift he, his. He couldn't lift arms. his arms up.
0: Something fishy yeah. going on with all those uh, the, the Markel Fultz med- medical issues. Well,
1: it feels mental. I, not, I'm not going to sit and try to diagnose him from here, but. This feels like a mental thing. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah, have you ever heard of frozen shoulder syndrome? Uh, n- maybe. Okay, so it, basically, what happens is that people can't move their shoulder. Okay, and um, it, it can be painful, right? As anyone knows, if you if you just hold like a joint in one place for a long time, when you try to move it, it's painful. This is why, you know, um, all the rehab stuff is about movement, mobility. Like if you sprain your ankle now in the NBA, they're moving that ankle right away. There's no more of this rest stuff. Uh, instead of rice, they do meth. So instead of re- uh, rest, ice, compression, elevation, they do movement, elevation, traction, and heat. They've oh. like really completely switched everything. Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people know this. Um, this is how these guys are able to recover so quickly. And even then, it's still not 100% because it's still just, you know, there's time involved. But frozen shoulder is, uh, there's no evidence, like if you do an MRI or something like that, there's no, there's nothing going on. There's a lot of evidence that suggests that frozen sh- uh, shoulder syndrome is a mental thing. And um, there's, there's, there's been some, uh, some doctors that have treated it with like Valium and oh. manual manipulation. Yeah. So essentially, you get the people relaxed, and then you have them moving their arm because they're not thinking about it anymore.
0: I would. And almost, I wonder. I would. I don't. I would almost recommend maybe just a placebo instead of the valium. <laughs>
1: but e- either okay. way, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Uh, or even a Xanax, some kind of anti-anxiety or something sure. like that. I don't know, but I'm not a doctor.
0: Yeah, I Budweiser. Just, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, depending on what state you're in, you know, maybe other stuff. Um, but, uh, hold, hold I this, wonder,
0: yeah, hold this joint in place. That's right. Anyway, keep going. Uh,
1: but I wonder if, uh, if there isn't a little bit of that going on because the Sixers have been very upfront and they've said, you know, Hey, there's, there's nothing physically wrong with the shoulder. And I just, I don't know, man. I mean, shoulder pain is a, is a real bitch. Like, I don't think he would have been doing half the stuff he was doing if, uh, you know, if his shoulder was messed up. So I'm wondering if this isn't in his head. Maybe he maybe he did have a little bit of shoulder pain, but not an injury, and now it's a mental thing. but hopefully hopefully he's talking to someone. I, I feel like a lot of these guys that have problems, whether it's uh, shooting free throws or whatever Markel is dealing with, I feel like the sports psychology is not used enough yet, and it will be. like that's going to be the next uh you know cryo chamber or something like that. They're, everyone's going to have their own uh sports psychologist instead of drew Hanlon. It's going to be like Dr. Phil.
0: Yeah. All right. So let's turn for our last topic. Let's turn over to the Western conference uh, with kind of maybe the lower half of what we assume is going to be the playoff race there. My favorite team, the Grizzlies uh, started great, played a really tough schedule, came out of it, you know, with flying colors and then dropped a couple games uh, to the Hornets and the magic. And then it's them. And also the nuggets who have looked horrible and then really good. The Jazz, who have looked almost dominant at home and terrible on the road, and and the uh, the Blazers, who again looked great then looked mediocre. So those four teams the Blazers, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies might be the four teams I'm the most interested in. What what are you seeing from those teams? What are your expectations for how they pan out?
1: I mean, Portland started started the season against the Suns. Yeah, so you know that's kind of unfair. Like when you look at their numbers, if you throw them out, if you throw out that game, they come down to earth pretty quickly. Um, but they they've been okay. Dame has had a couple games where he struggled a little bit. Uh, CJ's looked pretty good. Uh, I thought they looked decent last night against against Utah. Um, or the other night against Utah Wednesday night. <laughs> Wednesday night, yeah. I'm, ba- I'm bad at this, man. Uh, <laughs> um. Wednesday night against Utah, I thought they looked decent, but Utah is just—I mean, their defense is just phenomenal. And anytime, especially at home, I don't know why their their defense doesn't travel as well. Um, but but they've been pretty good. And uh, Denver, like you said, they were they they started out really rough, but it looks like Millsap and Jokic are starting to figure things out a bit. Jamal Murray has come off—you know—he he was shooting horribly the first three or four games, and now looks like the slump is over and then Memphis is doing what Memphis does. Like Memphis is like (laughs) a not as good version of the Spurs, right? They're very consistent. Like, you know, you know that you're going to get this amount of effort and, you know, this amount of success. It's just the problem is I think that there's too many good teams as far as like the talent level goes. They may not have the horses to, to keep up with the rest of these guys. So if I was going to rank these teams, I'd probably go Portland, Denver, Utah, Memphis.
0: Interesting. I like I coming into the year. I thought Utah was going to be great. Like, like really surprisingly good, like upper forties wins going to, going to just grind people, you know, with the defense and, and then get enough buckets, you know, to make it work. And then I s- saw some of those games, the, uh, the loss to, to the Clippers where they couldn't score. They got run out of the gym and I was like, Oh no, like this team may be, yeah, like he actually can't win if he can't put the ball in the bucket. But then, again, it's like the Jekyll and the Hyde on the, the home court.
1: Like, yeah, and I actually thought Utah was going to be fine because I, I assumed George Hill or George Hill, Rodney Hood, <laughs> sorry. I, I assumed Rodney Hood was going to kind of take the next leap. I thought his usage would go up, and, you know, I thought he was he was ready for it. But they've been bringing him off the bench. Donovan Mitchell's leading that team in, in field goal attempts. He's right. a rookie which has not a, led
0: led to some losses. And then it's led yeah. to some of the wins where he's actually made some of the buckets.
1: Absolutely. But you, you never want to be in that situation. I mean, that's, this is a veteran team, so to speak, right? Like this is, this is a team with a bunch of guys that are sort of in their prime. And now you've got a rookie coming in and it's not like a rookie, like it's LeBron James or Ben Simmons. It's a guy that went 11th or 12th. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He went 12th. Um, not that I don't like Donovan Mitchell, but I, it's just it's a weird situation. Yeah, and then
0: the Nuggets, you're hoping uh, that maybe Millsap's first couple of weeks were just a veteran being like, "This is silly. I'm playing basketball in October. That matters." Uh, and so maybe he's he's going to find his stride. Uh, Emmanuel Mudiay has looked competent. He's become like he's getting more and more time on the court. Uh, it looks like he he's maybe getting a little more comfortable with playing basketball as opposed to last year where he had a lot of really rough stretches. I always thought the Nuggets were going to have that incredible offensive ceiling, and then I got so nervous after the first few games when they couldn't put the ball in the bucket. The Grizzlies, it's weird. I'm having trouble adjusting as a fan to when things bog down and the offense isn't working, not stopping the offense and just throwing it to the post, and maybe that isn't the most effective offense, but I think as a fan, that was my security blanket. Like when things right. were falling apart in the fourth quarter, I was like, "I don't care what happens. Just give it to Zebo or Mark, and let's do it now it's like oh we're we we do not do post ups anymore yeah, so there's I guess there's there's like wider swings of effectiveness. It's like oh well, we're not we're not hitting any shots, and we need Tyreek Evans to beat his guy off the dribble, or we have
1: nothing well, I mean, if you're okay with giving the ball to Zebo, then you definitely do not care what happens."
0: Yeah. Well, I would say the old formula for Grizzlies win was give it to Zebo. He'll put it on the rim or backboard and then we'll get the ball. You know, like like me. That's how I play pickup basketball. Not a great shooter, but I like to get offensive rebounds. And so it's (laughs) like, uh, yeah, you know, just put it up there. There'll be a scrum. It'll work out great. So I'm not adjusting as a fan very well to this. Like we really have to hit some jumpers or get a break opportunity. Otherwise, uh, we don't really get a
1: look. Yeah,
0: Well, uh, Dave, thanks so much for uh, finally coming on the show. Uh, you got any stuff coming up? You want to plug or to tell people where they can track your stuff?
1: Uh, you know, just uh, follow me on Twitter at Dave Dufour NBA. And uh, I normally post stuff there. So, uh, you know, I like to do like these film breakdowns and stuff like that um, and, and throw them up there like as threads or something like that. So I, I may be looking into the Cleveland Cavaliers defense. I need to, I really want to unpack what the hell they're doing or what they're not doing. And, and I have some suspicions, but I need to dig into the tape a little bit. So look for that in the next, uh, the next week or so.
0: You're a brave man to tackle that subject. I, I don't even want it's, to talk. I don't even want to talk about the Cavs. I'm like, what's the point? Like They're not even I'm trying. sure.
1: Well, th- it's partly, uh, it's easy to chalk this up to not trying, but uh-huh. it's also personnel. They just don't have the guys that they used to have. I mean, I, I think, we're now seeing how important Kyrie was to that team offensively they're They're just not getting the looks that they got with him on the court and, and and I'm wondering if maybe even and myself included, completely undersold how important he was, you know to have on the court, because the guys that LeBron has around him right now are a bunch of third bananas at best, not even second bananas. so um but defensively, man they're they're not getting out on three point shooters at all. And their pick and roll defense has just been atrocious. And I'm pretty sure this is not something that's fixable.
0: If you think a, if you think the NBA playoffs started next week, you, th- you think the Cavs wouldn't be able to, or I'm at, do you think the Cavs wouldn't be able to get out of the East?
1: I think the Cavs are not going to make the finals this year uh, without a move. Just period. They, they, all, right, all right. Yeah. They've got to make a move. Um, After seeing this team on the court and a lot of people have, you know, I've talked privately to a few people and they keep bringing up Isaiah Thomas. There's no expectation that Isaiah Thomas is going to be the Isaiah Thomas that we saw last year. Yeah. Um, And he doesn't solve their defensive issues at all. So there I mean, their defense, this is this is legit. I mean, it was a problem last year, but they were able to overcome it with their superior offense. They don't have that this year and And a diminished Isaiah Thomas just isn't going to do it. Um, the injury he has to his hip, I mean, it's legitimate, like it, it's it's a serious injury. and uh I just am not convinced that A he's going to come back at all, but B that he's going to come back and be effective enough to 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 kind of make up for what Kyrie did for them.
0: Well, that's uh, that'll be music to Chuck Sears, our co-host, who hates LeBron and the Cavs. So uh, maybe he will be able to check all that stuff out on Twitter to get that uh, the satisfaction of watching the Cavs' defense fall apart in, uh, in film breakdown. Well, Dave, once again, thanks a bunch. Look forward to talking with you again soon.
1: Yeah, can't wait.
0: All right. Thanks to Dave again. He's a really good guy. Really fun guy to hang out with. Follow him on Twitter. If you want to support our show, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Thanks to fantrax.com, a customizable fantasy website for every sport. They even have money games and things like that if you're into that sort of thing. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at FastBreakBreak. Break. Like us on Facebook you guys are the best thanks for listening and remember breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah no we'll
1: apologize for being GNG Fa break great man you understand?